0: I'm Laura Zach, and I'm Brittany Ashley, and this is Sicker Sadder World, a podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria related to our current world. Great app. Good, good app. It actually made me want to one do more physical activity, and two go paintballing.
1: True, true, true. I, I don't think I've been since middle school. And up, upon reflection, it is such a strange activity for school for school endorsed trip.
0: I'm actually shocked that Miss Lee approved of a trip to such a violent place, unless she was getting something financial out of it.
1: Which we always know with her is the case. Totally. There's some bottom, bottom line there.
0: How was last night?
1: It was good. I'm still recovering. We're doing a morning record right now, so I'm...
0: Got the rasp on.
1: We got the rasp. We got the iced coffee. I um didn't have quite enough of the sliders, but I had plenty of the wines.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, I had each dish that went around. Let's not keep them in the dark.
1: So last night was the L.A. premiere party for Danger and Eggs, which is the animated show on Amazon that I worked on, that the showrunner's a wonderful human named Shadi Potosky and she created a really rad show that has a lot of queer characters, and it's really smart and fun, and there's a Pride episode, and that's coming out June 30th. So we were celebrating
0: last night. We were celebrating indeed, and it was quite delightful. Weird Al was there.
1: He was. I, did you get a picture with him?
0: No. <laughs> I would... I. Don't take pictures like in general. I'm generally not like a picture taker. My girlfriend on many occasions has said we don't have any pictures together because I truly don't. It doesn't register in my brain when I'm having a good time to be like, let's take a picture. And so to also ask someone I don't know for a picture, I don't know if I ever could do it.
1: Yeah, I typically don't either. But it was sort of the word around the party was that he was particularly gregarious and open to people last night. Damn. So I had a moment where I was like, "Well, I mean, I mean, most of the crew who and the um, designers and artists who work on the show were there, and a lot of them were taking pictures with him. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I guess, her brother is a huge Weird Al fan. That's a and, very funny sentence. <laughs> and so not only did he oblige." With a selfie, but he called her brother. Oh, from the yeah, from the party. It's really sweet. I have like a bang. You see that You have truly o- one, one bang stuck outside of my headphones. That's
0: actually how I used to do my hair, and I think eighth grade, I would just have like <laughs> totally. two gelled strands down. Oh, God, it was bad. And then I started curling those strands, and I still can smell my poor curling iron trying to go through gel. I was truly burning my own hair.
1: Do you think you have any pictures of that style for our Patreon?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool, cool,
1: cool. (laughs)
0: The one strand of
1: hair, the one bang over the eye in a coquettish manner was one of the first kind of like physical traits that I equated as attractive in a woman. Hmm. Like I remember my cousin was over and we were playing with my briar horses.
0: Not sure what that is. Not sure I want (laughs) to know.
1: They're these beautiful horse, realistic horse figurines. How realistic? How big? Maybe three quarters of a foot high.
0: Did they use horse hair?
1: No, no, no. There was, it was all, it was hard plastic basically, but they were really nice. Well, and everyone
0: knows horses are made out of plastic.
1: Realistic image wise. And like, you know, I'd make, yeah, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I would make uh, horse blankets for each of them out of little felt, felt sheets and then write their name in Sharpie. So then that, would you
0: just lay them down?
1: Um, They would be standing like they'd be standing in their stalls and
0: do horses ever get a time to like sit and chill.
1: They can lie down, you know, in their stalls sometimes, but a lot they can sleep standing up
0: when I did that video at medieval times like a year and a half ago where I became a female knight I think I spent I think they're just called knights (laughs) um I think I spent about two hours asking the woman who was giving us the tour combined I probably spent two hours asking her all about the horses do they have good lives do they get to run around and play like do they ever get hurt
1: she probably didn't have great answers for you.
0: No, she actually said that they all get to go on vacation at some points to a farm, and I knew exactly what that meant.
1: Glue factory.
0: Yeah, the glue farm. Glue farm.
1: Wait, I have to finish my story, though. Oh, yeah,
0: sorry. The briar
1: horses. Anyway, just playing with my cousin, I just, and I just remember being like, here, it's... If you want the attractive one, here's this one, and I had named her Minuet, and she had one little horse tuft over her eye, and I thought that meant she was sexy.
0: Yeah, she was like a sexy emo horse. Yeah, exactly. When I was young, I thought that eyebrow rings were the definition of sex.
1: What happened when you discovered the existence of tongue rings?
0: Oh, I never liked tongue rings. My cousin that I wasn't very close with, one of the three times I've ever met her, uh, she had just gotten her tongue pierced and it was purple, so the tongue, to be clear. it got infected and so i mean that's never been i mean yes i had a lip ring but that's different cool la 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 la, la. this is my style get to deer hunter, right? Yeah, that one feels like a stretch to me. Totally. <laughs> but a lot
1: happened in this episode. There were uh, many beat changes within relationships. This paintball trip was very impactful for many core relationships in the show.
0: And also relationships that didn't exist before. Lots of pairings. Mm-hmm. The episode starts with Mr. DiMartino, who feels very former military to me. Um, He's talking about how warfare impacts all aspects of culture. And the idea that they're all going to this paintball jungle is set up in the very first scene. And Kevin says something stupid. And Mr. DiMartino says, hey, Kevin, stay close to me when we get to the paintball range.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he mentions that they need parent volunteers.
0: For mm-hmm. this. And um, so Daria's in her room watching Six Sad World. And on Six Sad World they're saying, are fish using our oceans as their private toilets? And it reminded me of, I'm totally gonna butcher this, but there was this onion headline that I always think about that was like, seagull with diarrhea barely makes it to the beach to crap on a bunch of tourists just in time. <laughs> so Quinn ventures into Daria's room and they have the classic sibling you know this is my room situation
1: this is my room
0: yeah you know like when when one of your siblings would go into your room and you'd you'd get territorial and be like excuse me this is my room oh occupancy for only one person did you ever do that um not really no wow that's like when you have your own room, I feel in your a child or a teenager, I feel like that's the first time you get to assert authority to someone else because it's your space.
1: Yeah, there was definitely, in the middle of a fight, a moment of, get, I said get out! That sort of thing. Right. But my brother and I shared rooms for a chunk of my childhood, so I think the lines were fuzzy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Did you ever put, like, a line down the middle? Um,
1: no. Never did that. But once we did have our own rooms, I helped my cousins prank him by spending three hours setting up tiny um, Dixie cups filled with halfway filled with water all the way across his floor.
0: Well, good thing it, they weren't filled with pee. It's a callback. Callback, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a callback. So Quinn doesn't want Daria to get their parents to go to the paintballing trip, and they have this funny banter about how they work together they're on the same team when it comes to
1: a common goal yeah which which in this case is keeping their parents far away from this trip
0: totally but then when they go downstairs for breakfast Quinn has her hair and what I thought was a hairnet at first she has braided and gelled her hair it kind
1: of looks like the spider-man costume interposed onto her head you know the yeah the web, like, of his red suit.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. It does look like that.
1: I think it might just be not well drawn.
0: Yeah, because at some point they kind of looked like actual braids.
1: Like when, when white kids come back from Jamaica. Right. And they have the Yeah, braids.
0: white girl vacation braids is what I wanted to say, which I got when I was in Jamaica. <laughs> but I was 10.
1: Right. We couldn't afford to go to Jamaica ever, so.
0: Wow. Wow. Because you had spent all your money on briar horses.
1: I still have all of mine. So next time I'm home, I'll get some pics, some
0: portraits. Oh my God. I'm picturing just like a room dedicated to them and you brushing them with a tiny brush.
1: There's no hair. There's no real hair. Nothing to brush.
0: Well, then it's not very realistic now, is it? You'll
1: see what I mean. Just Google it later.
0: Okay. For the record, I think the Jamaica trip was very much out of our budget, but my dad had just gotten remarried, and I think he was trying to show her that he could support us all. Well, he definitely proved it, and then some. And I had a very bad sunburn on my scalp. Oh. And I also walked into the wrong hotel room. Okay? <laughs> and I also almost got lost in Ocho Rios by myself when trying to barter. <laughs>
1: This is another time that everyone is wearing new outfits.
0: So yeah, so they're on the bus on the way uh, to Jim's paintball jungle. And Mr. O'Neill is singing. Mr. DiMartino wants to discuss the history of guerrilla warfare. And the fashion club has... A moment very reminiscent of Mean Girls.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I I also saw many notes of Mean Girls, which actually would be that Mean Girls was probably in part inspired by Fashion Club.
0: I would have to assume that. Yeah. They, they have a magazine. I think it's called Waif. And it's basically like... Waif. A, it's called Waif. Oh, God damn it! So they have this magazine called Waif which is basically like a Cosmo of their time, I presume. They are swearing on it, saying that if I fire on a fellow fashion club member, then I will wear blank. So one of them says stonewashed jeans. One of them says glasses. So they're making this promise that they won't fire on each other in the paintball range. Otherwise, they will be punished by wearing something not fashionable and it's very clear that Tiffany is Karen. Mm-hmm.
1: And then also, what's going on in the back of the bus is Kevin talking to Brittany, Mac, and Jody, and doing this thing where he is kind of explaining the rules to Never Have I Ever. But and I've seen this happen to f- before, where like the sluttiest person most oh, wants to.
0: Sluttiest?
1: Pe- is that sex shaming? Uh, no. I you can own being a slut. I'm okay, saying yeah, like- I was just
0: making sure we had the same definition. Okay. <laughs>
1: But you know what I mean when someone's like I can tell that I'm the most advanced here Hey, right. you guys want to play never have I ever you want to know what the rules are And so kevin's doing that, but he's not smart So he's just getting himself in trouble by saying yeah, and then i'll be like never have I ever gone steady with two people at the same time And then i'll have to put my finger down because I have gone steady with two people at the same time And britney's just sitting there simmering
0: in eighth grade I was about to say I was a thirsty eighth grader, which is also true But also in eighth grade, I went on a chorus field trip to St. Louis. Chorus and band got to go from Chicago to St. Louis. And I was dating a guy and he cheated on me on the bus ride.
1: Well, what is your
0: definition of cheating? Made out with and put his hands up their shirts.
1: Damn, right in front of you?
0: I was in the back of the bus.
1: But in front of someone.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like probably in the third row, I want to say. And I was like 10 rows behind. Gossip like made its way all the way back to me because I was sitting with my friends. And they're like, Colin Strack just cheated on you.
1: Did you confront him
0: yeah. during it? Yeah, and then I broke up with him, and then I started dating another guy. Like
1: All on one bus ride?
0: Well, me and the other guy, we hung out in the pool afterwards, like the hotel pool. And I remember like latching onto his back, and he swam around, and then we decided that we were dating.
1: That's all it takes.
0: So I went through a breakup and uh, started dating someone all in one day. It was all so dramatic.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and how long were you with that guy?
0: Probably like a month.
1: Wow, it's yeah. a long time. But then,
0: but then I pined after him for a while after that. But I mean, uh, obviously now it's all...
1: It's all cool.
0: <laughs> it's all irrelevant now. But yeah, it was a traumatizing bus ride.
1: I uh, lived close to the school, so I was a walker. You know, like I didn't take the bus.
0: That's how it was in elementary school. We actually lived right in front of my school. Like my backyard was my elementary school. But then middle school and high school... It would take probably like thirty five minutes to get to school in the morning because it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. I miss bus rides during like softball, like softball games. Yeah, away, away games game, were the away best.
1: game for yeah. For me, it was field hockey. Those were always the best ones.
0: I bet you put your hands up some shirts on no, that bus.
1: I really didn't. I really, it didn't even occur to me if I could go back now
0: caught some babes in your net.
1: Also on the bus ride they keep seeing ads for something called the Great White Shark. It's sort of a highway side attraction and Jane and Daria are flirting with the idea of going to that instead. And then when they get to the paintball jungle there's a surprise and it's Helen and Jake they are stoked they found out that parent volunteers were needed even though Quinn and Daria tried to keep them from that knowledge and showed up on their own.
0: So, I just kept thinking of 10 things they hit about you, about Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger ditching detention to go make out in the paintball place in the hay. But they didn't shoot paintball guns, they like threw paintballs, which I also would be into.
1: Yeah, that seems less painful. I do the time that I did paintball it's it's shockingly painful it's like
0: a bee sting i've never i've never gone paintballing but i did steal a paintball gun when i was in high school and just like went into the field and just like shot it at trees but that wasn't fun i didn't want to hurt those trees
1: it's really messed up as an activity that is considered approved by any sort of adults
0: <laughs> right
1: like let let's i mean they make fun of this in the episode but it really is just let's mimic war
0: right and and that's very apparent when the guy well who I assume is jim he he's basically telling them how realistic the grounds are, and they also have these massive uh realistic fields that are supposed to be reminiscent of like Bosnia and Beirut and
1: Iraq and Vietnam, yeah.
0: Uh, did and they also have a whole labyrinth of underground tunnels that he said you could get lost in. Did you ever see Camp Nowhere?
1: A long time ago, Andrew Keegan, right?
0: Hell yeah. Well, there's he was supposed to go to like military camp, and then his dad and him have to go through this whole like fake military training that all the kids put together. But this reminded me of that too. Good movie.
1: Yeah, it was. I would I would rewatch that. I own it. Oh, there you go. And then they
0: tried to remake it into this movie called Accepted, where people made a fake college, and it was truly all the parts of Camp Nowhere just setting it in college.
1: That happens a lot, though. Right. Formulas getting redone over and over So the two teams for this paintball war are split up and Mr. DiMartino is heading up one and Mr. O'Neill seems to be heading up the other and Mr. O'Neill and his pep talk is really focusing on teamwork as a theme and Mr. DiMartino is focusing on war, basically art of war and shoot to kill. And we see that Miss Barch is in Mr. O'Neill's group and she scares him off basically. Yeah,
0: she scares him off and she... She's in command now. Then Brittany all of a sudden takes over and has this like insanely brilliant plan to ambush and create like a secret observation post. And coming out of her mouth, it's so funny that she would just like have these ideas and it's in direct opposition to who we know of her. And then
1: she turns out to be a genius in military strategy.
0: Right. Yeah. And then uh the other team has already started shooting and Miss Barch says, The men are shooting
1: relatable. Yeah. Then we see Daria's interior thoughts of just being miserable in this situation and she bumps into her mother um, who refuses to shoot her.
0: Her mom is like, why don't you take this more serious, Daria? And then she gets a call from her assistant, Eric, and runs out of the line of fire with her phone, which I feel like you love.
1: Yeah, I like a woman who can multitask.
0: (laughs) And then something really dramatic happens for the fashion club, which is that Quinn shoots Sandy and Sandy shoots back, but there creates this large tension that has already been uh set up and too cute i think right that was the episode where the tension between yeah
1: sandy and quinn
0: yeah yeah yeah. so
1: now do you believe quinn when she said she didn't recognize sandy because of her goggles no surely I don't, not know right? i, I don't... mean they literally the fashion club and only the fashion club are wearing an entirely different color outfit as anyone
0: else totally Though there is, like, the sun in her eyes, it's very possible for the fashion club to be shooting at Sandy for so long and Sandy to be shooting at them and not realize that it was, you know, each other, I feel like is pretty impossible. But the fact that Sandy is on a different team even than them, it just creates this, like, gang-up aspect It really does feel like Mean Girls. Like, Sandy is the Regina George, and she is left out, and, you know, Quinn is Lindsay Lohan.
1: And the moment where, so after Sandy gets struck, you're supposed to be out of the game, but instead she breaks the rules by firing back Mm -hmm. at all three of the other fashion club members, and then there's this kind of hail of paintball, which reminded me a little bit of that Wonder Woman scene where she has her shield up, and it's just the... Yeah, the bullets just raining down on her. Mm -hmm. That was Sandy's moment there, except, you know, less
0: glorious. Yeah, yeah. and just more sad. Yeah. So then uh, Sandy has this moment where she's like, maybe Quinn should be the president of the fashion club.
1: Right, and Quinn denies that You're not going to tell
0: me how good that impression was?
1: Oh, I mean, it was so good that I just thought Sandy did it. Like, it wasn't until you needed affirmation that I realized it came from you.
0: I always need affirmation.
1: Good job, Brittany. Your family definitely couldn't afford to go to Jamaica. Everything's okay.
0: Is anyone mad at me? Not
1: that I know of.
0: Keep me posted.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so Quinn denies that she's trying to take over her role as president, but I feel like the seed has been planted now in everyone's minds. Right. It's like when I mean to use the example that we were just talking about. It's like when you say to someone, especially someone you're dating, "Are you mad at me?" and then keep asking, "Are you sure you aren't mad at me?" and it kind of create can create something in the mind of like, "Wait, should I be? What what would I be mad about?
0: Mm. Maybe I
1: am mad at you, you know." It so, like,
0: Kirsten's mad at me,
1: <laughs> or or I might be on my way to becoming mad at you. You know, one or the other. Uh. So, sit with that.
0: Is that what that means? (laughs) Um, Sometimes you just want to know if someone's mad at
1: you. Right, and sometimes they aren't until they've been asked 16 times. Wow. Wow. (laughs) As we talk about this episode, like, the same thing happens between us as is happening with all the characters. Yeah. The slow disillusion. By the end, we're going to be like, you tell them where to find us on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs)
0: So, Mr. DiMartino decides to use Kevin basically as the pawn to get the red flag. And Brittany shoots him. She's like, sorry, babe. And uh, we see Miss Sparch taking out her anger on Mr. DiMartino. Right, calling him a rotten dirtbag liar. Yeah, she's totally taking out her anger on her ex-husband onto him. It couldn't be more clear that Miss Barch's anger is being displaced.
1: Right, and most likely that the type of masculinity that Mr. DiMartino expresses is archetypal of her
0: husband. Totally. So, in some regard, she may need the opposite. No,
1: lady. I know, she's really just set up to be... To just step over that line. But, well, we'll see what happens.
0: Right. So then it rains, and Daria and Jane have escaped to go to see the great white shark. And they get there, and it's just a tiny museum... With just a tooth. And the woman is explaining this story. And Daria's like, isn't this the plot of Jaws?
1: Uh, the great, The legend of the Great White. And this woman just kind of goes into her own reverie of telling this story as if she were there and saving people's lives from the shark.
0: Right. So then we get these... Three vignettes. Well, and an important thing oh, happened sure. on
1: the way to the great white shark, which is that it started raining. Did you say that? I did. Okay. and But I liked that in that moment, Daria said, good, I was feeling too dry. Yeah. But then the rain forces... She, she
0: said that, Jane.
1: Oh, that didn't even occur to me. Bow, bow. So the rain forces stop of play, and it forces certain people to pair off to hide for cover, including Miss Lee and Helen, um, Miss Bart and Mr. O'Neill, and then a bunch of the kids end up in this, like, shack sort of having a party.
0: Right. I imagine that that party is kind of reminiscent of, like, what soldiers would do or something, like, if they had, if they had a break from war. Like, people are playing cards. Some people are dancing. It felt very...
1: Yeah, de- soldiers definitely dance on their breaks from war. I mean, I guess I hope so. I hope they find joy somewhere.
0: I, it, it didn't it feel like we have a break from this horrible thing. Now we're going to have a little party in this abandoned house.
1: Yeah. Or I feel like you see that in Game of Thrones type shows as well, where when they're in between, like when you you never know if this is going to be your last chance to grab a little bit of joy.
0: Right. So you got to just, you know, dance a little bit. And so in these little vignettes, Miss Lee and Helen are in, you know, a tent and it seems like they bond on the fact that they're both these two very hardworking uh, women who put their careers first, but also that Helen is raising these two children. And she says something to the effect of like, it's hard raising two teenagers all by yourself with Jake.
1: And they're also bonding over being women of a certain age and oh right, yeah, how they're so grateful not to be sex objects anymore and how it doesn't matter what age you look and helen's like yeah yeah but do i look 46 43
0: yeah (laughs) but then that very short-lived relationship goes sour when uh miss lee makes a shitty comment about daria about daria's attitude and that there's no reform school or there's no like prison that could even uh put Daria in a different mood and then Helen gets pissed off showing that Helen really does care about Daria despite the fact that these differences sometimes but Helen tells Miss Lee that sometimes there's no distinction between the way she runs her school and the way that a prison is run and that made me think that the the funding that prisons get or the uh the way that prisons operate truly only for financial gain
1: yeah it made me I feel like the unschooling movement would have loved that scene. You know, right. the unschool, which is like not not the same as homeschool, but just this sort of group of people who, you know, believe that very thing. Mm-hmm. That school is a business and run more like a prison and actually isn't conducive to how human beings and brains grow and learn.
0: Right. Well, our, isn't that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that how charter schools operate?
1: I, I'm i not super informed about all of the ins and outs, but yeah, but yeah. The, the, my understanding is, yeah. Taking it out of the public school, like, for-profit realm. Man,
0: it's just so sad when you find out that everything exists for money. Like, I was talking to one of my Lyft drivers yesterday because we had a nice hour and a half long drive from Santa Monica at 5.30pm she was from Chicago too and we were talking about how the homelessness population here is just so upsetting and it's just, she said there's 40,000 documented homeless people, that's only documented and you realize that until real estate developers stop just taking over these lower income areas and creating these giant fucking condos and all the prices start going up, like homelessness isn't going to get better and some of these people That are homeless in Los Angeles, like a lot of them, like have jobs, but they just can't afford places to live here. And when you just realize that everything is for financial gain of people that are already at the top, you realize that everything is bleak.
1: All right. I mean, this this is in no way meant to be an equal in importance or bleakness, but another example that I thought of was when I was watching the NBA finals this weekend, and how in game uh, the Warriors and the Cavaliers, and in game four. Um, I just noticed a lot of incredibly blatantly shady calls by the refs and then that happened again in game five and then I was texting with my brother and he was saying that he thought it would go to at least a game six because apparently there's some deal between the NBA and NBC where you know they're gonna get 130 million more dollars if finals go to game six or beyond
0: Damn. and
1: you know and it's why people enjoy some people enjoy watching college basketball versus professional because because. Because there's so much corruption, you know, in something that's supposed to kind of bring you back down to just something very basic as, like, sport and competition. Yeah, well,
0: like, sports are supposed to be pure competition that you can't sell off. You know what I mean? Like, with, it, it, sports can't be scripted. But there are ways that they, like Pete Rose, he was the first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, and he would take bets against their team, and so he would miss plays and whatnot to make money. Like, there are people that have tried to script sports games and they've been just seen as complete stains. Well, and then just and steroids too obviously.
1: But well, yeah, I mean there's so there's countless examples or even just now it almost is a systemic problem now where it's like the teams that win get the most money, get the best, you know, are able to afford the best players. That's especially true in baseball and you know, so you just are stacking your team with the best people mm-hmm. and then you have that unfair advantage. So
0: yeah. Well, that's why at least this latest World Series with the Cubs winning did feel pure because we've had a shitty team for so, so long. And uh, Theo Epstein, he had said that like we are going to be bad for a while because I'm growing this younger team together, Mm -hmm. like this younger kind of more inexperienced team so that we can play well together and we could learn from each other. And then they ended up like it wasn't a team stacked with the best players. It was a team that knew how to play with each other, and they were young, really enthusiastic players. And
1: can you imagine being Theo Epstein and having been the sole man who broke the curse of the Red Sox in two thousand four, and then broke the curse of the Cubs? Basically, that right. man has power. Totally. Whew. He is he is the Brittany of like, Brittany is to military strategy. Not oh, you. God damn it. Sorry.
0: Did you see my eyes light up? Yeah, I mean, I'll
1: I'll figure out a way that he's like you. Cool. Don't worry. So back to the vignette. So there's also Mr. DiMartino and Jake in the same bunker. And I immediately felt worried for Jake because I thought Mr. DiMartino might remind Jake of his father.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they
1: end up bonding as well because you find out that they both have a military school background and they start sharing some some... Booze that Jake had brought Mm -hmm. and just kind of opening up about their shitty childhoods. Right,
0: like Jake had um, what sounds like kind of an abusive dad and Mr. DiMartino, you find out that he kind of had like a shitty, abusive mom. And so I wonder if Miss Barch at all reminded him of that in the moment where she was just like firing down on him. But speaking of Miss (laughs) Barch...
1: She is paired off with Mr. O'Neill, and he's trying to really um, talk her through some of the rage she has. Right.
0: He's like, it's all right. Let it out. Venting feels good. And she's like, I don't get it. You're sensitive, yet you're a male. And then they make out.
1: Yeah, she pounces on him. Another thing he says right before she gets turned on is... Sometimes, before we make a prenup agreement with someone else, we have to first make one with ourselves.
0: Yeah, Mr. O'Neill I enjoy very much as a character. I, w- I wonder, I don't remember the trajectory of their relationship, but I'm uh, excited to revisit that.
1: Oh yeah, and a rainbow fills the sky when they start kissing, that's what ends the rain.
0: Happy Pride. I can't stand
1: the rain. Um, it's my window. But before the rain I stops. I also wonder
0: if that song played. It's very possible that that song could have played during that scene.
1: Oh, you're right. That would have been around the same mm-hmm. era.
0: So we're back at that, you know, party. Thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And there's more uh, There's more stirring the pot between Quinn and Sandy you know, and the tensions between them, where we see each of them ask one of the girls. Tiffany. Quinn asks Tiffany if she's if uh, Sandy's prettier than her, and Tiffany's like, no, you're way prettier. And then Sandy asks the same question of Stacy. So there's clearly No, some... no,
0: no, it's both to Tiffany. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> Tiffany's kind of like a double agent.
1: I see, I see. Yeah, so planning those, you know, kind of encouraging that doubt in each of them.
0: And also, Quinn and Sandy both have moments in the episode where each of them are in vulnerable positions and the other one tries to aim to shoot the other one with the paintball gun and then they each get interrupted at mm-hmm. certain times. And so you see that they both, they're they're definitely frenemies. And then uh, in that last final scene, is that supposed to be reminiscent of like a certain film?
1: I don't know if I, it struck me as one specific film. It just felt like a classic I don't even know what you would call that, like a, a, an agonizing slow motion. Basically what's happening are um, everyone's getting on the buses and the teachers are like, all right, you know, are we missing everyone? And the entire fashion club makes a choice not to mention that Sandy is not there. Sandy's lost somewhere.
0: Right. It's already started to turn against
1: Sandy. And that is a huge decision they made. Mm-hmm. And then Sandy emerges from the woods just as the buses are pulling off. And we see her tripping and falling in the mud in kind of slow motion. No. And,
0: and the bus sounds like a helicopter.
1: And uh, she's left behind. And also Helen and Jake are chasing each other. In, or she, She's chasing him in the underground labyrinth because she's upset that she found him drunk. So hopefully, I mean, I am a little bit worried about Sandy. Like, she's only a 15-year-old girl or something. So hopefully, you know, yeah, the, the- Morgendorfer's find her later. But we don't know. It's kind of a to-be-continued.
0: Right. You, I was actually waiting for the episode to end with, like, the Morgendorfer's at the dinner table again. But it didn't end that way. I mean, I guess we just have to suspend our disbelief.
1: But we at least know that they have their own car.
0: That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, but, yeah, great app. I'd love to go paintballing if anyone I'm, wants to go.
1: I'm really happy for Miss Barch and Mister O'Neill.
0: That seems like it might be a uh, bad relationship for Mister O'Neill, but I guess we'll see. You can't change anyone, people.
1: When someone shows you who they are the first time, believe believe them. them. What? <laughs> thank you for listening
0: to this episode of sicker Satter world why don't you tell them where they can find us
1: well if you want to find us on twitter at sicker sadder um, we have a website Sickersatterworld.com. we're on patreon and
0: that's just us
1: we're on bumpers and we're on itunes oh yeah and our friendship survived this episode but the real question is are you mad at me
0: i'm not are cool. you mad at me no okay good not Are you mad guys as... mad at us? Yeah. Are you guys Let mad at know. me? Let us
1: know. Let us know.